Welcome to Great Minds, and this is an auspicious occasion. We're talking to Lynette Pang, who is the outgoing Chief Marketing Officer of the Singapore Tourism Board. She's been there about, Lynette, about 18 years? Yes, it's been only a short while. Only a short while, and today is literally her <laughs> last day, and we're going to talk about her journey to get here, her journey ahead, uh, but we are absolutely thrilled um, to have a chance. So welcome here, Lynette, to Great Minds. Wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Matt. And it's it's such a it's it's an honor to be interviewed by you. You are a legend. Oh, please. Thank you very much, though. Very kind. So, Lynette, well, I want to start. There were so many places. You have such an interesting body of work and career path, but. I love when there's an interesting juxtaposition from someone's career at the beginning, and you're far from the end, but sort of let's call it halfway. And uh, you began working in the advertising business way back when as an account exec at Saatchi and Saatchi, right? Mm -hmm. Or take, you know, we won't embarrass you, but some number of years ago. And today, uh, your fingerprints are on a search, no winner yet announced or no selection made but to carry the great creative campaign for Singapore that you have overseen. Uh, the passion campaign is one of the great campaigns uh, the world has ever seen in tourism. Isn't that kind of a wonderful juxtaposition of your journey to talk about the beginning of your career at Saatchi and then as you're you know, walking out the door, hands held and head held high, um, overseeing uh, uh, the next generation of great creative work for Singapore. That's, that's really quite a full circle. Mm. Um, well, it, I've been so busy. I've, I've actually not been giving it much thought, but um, did you know that when I was at Saatchi and Saatchi, guess who was my client? Singapore. Tourism board. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yes, um, I, I, I was interviewed for the job. And as you would know, or you might know that my background is in English literature. So uh, I've spent years and years, you know, reading 10 books a week and, and just writing a lot. So I was actually um, hired to be a copywriter and interviewed, and he would probably wouldn't remember me, but um, Dave Droger uh, was then at Saatchi and I was supposed to be, you know, the littlest uh, copywriter, but I was sick of writing. And I was saying, and I said, no more writing. I'm, I, I just finished a mega thesis. I was like, no, I just want to do marketing and I want to talk to people and I want to manage projects. So I said, I would like to be a suit. So they were all really shocked, as you can imagine, the creatives they were like, what? <laughs> you can be a copywriter and you want to be a suit? I was like, yeah. I mean, back then, I mean, I had no prejudices or, or, or any sense of, you know, what's the dichotomy between a suit and a creative. So, um, and what's really funny is, as I said, uh, my goodbyes over the last two weeks at STP, many of the people I said goodbye to were, my clients when I was at Saatchi and Saatchi uh, in my early 20s. So um, it's been an interesting process, uh, a lot to chew on. I, I've not quite uh, really um, thought as much about it yet. I think I'm still processing. 
Amazing. And you've overseen a, a generation of absolutely brilliant creative work. You have really created such an incredible image for Singapore around the world, not only amongst consumers, but in the B2B sector, where I think, Lynette, the work that you do to package and tell your story, the story of Singapore, you uh, are really best in class globally at doing that. Sounds like Singapore and tourism and driving business to Singapore is in your blood. I mean, that's amazing that they were your client all those years ago. I am going to embarrass you now. We're talking about going back over 25 years. So that's a long period of time uh, to have been engaged in something and been so good at it. Um, I, I think it's easy and I'm gonna sound so trite uh, when you love what you do. And I think the difference for many of us who work um, at the Singapore Tourism Board or who work uh, for the government in Singapore, I mean, the fact is uh, we do it for a higher purpose. We do it because we, we love our country. It's, it's, not, it's not a product for sale. It's, it's a place you live in, you feel very, invested in, you raise your family and kids. So there's a lot of um, emotional tie to what I do. And it's not just me, it's, it's everyone. So um, imagine if you love a job and you put it in 10x, I think for a lot of us in our job, it's like 20x. Uh, it's our country, uh, it's the place we live in. And you know what, it sounds corny, we, we, we want to build uh, a better tomorrow. So, and yeah. You can see where the passion comes from too. And and why that was such a natural for, I think, what will be one of your great signatures and legacies, the Great Passion Campaign. Mm -hmm. um, thanks so much for that. I, I think for the longest time um, as a kid, uh, when I grew up, or perhaps my peers, uh, when we were talking about brands, we were talking about products, uh, we wouldn't choose a Singapore brand especially in the 80s or even the 90s, I think it's always like, oh, you know, uh, my mom bought this from Japan or, you know, this was from the States, it's XYZ brand. So um, I think what I've, I'm, I'm very happy to have been proud of is, I don't call it marketing, I call it a movement, a movement to really uh, make everyone aware of, of where they live and aware of the amazing talents on the island and the, experience, the experiences they produce and the products and services they produce and the brands they produce, right? So it's been great to be part of the movement to make uh, Singaporeans proud and aware of what they have. So um, that's where it comes from. It's fantastic. So let's stay here for a minute. We're gonna go back to your journey, but while we're talking about you know, the real heart of what makes Singapore so special, you really and your team, of course, rebranded a country. That's a very big lift. And you hear today about certain parts of the world, or sometimes it's a city, sometimes it's a country. I've heard a lot of buzz, for example, recently about Rwanda and Africa, and they're making a big effort to make that a destination for Pan-African related meetings and conferences and B2B events. Um, and you'll hear this come up from time to time. You're one of very few people, Lynette, who's done it. 
Talk about what the state of Singapore was when you began and where we think it is today as it's evolved over the past, let's use that time frame, 25 years. Um, I think when, when I begin, uh, right from the beginning when I was at Saatchi, and then I will jump to when I took over my job at STB and then as, as CMO. Uh, when I began at Saatchi, we, we had a campaign. Uh, it, was, it was called, it was actually done by Beatty, but Saatchi was uh, the global agency to roll it out. It was actually um, New Asia Singapore. So close your eyes and think about this is Singapore in the 90s, right? Um, and, and I think it was really about how um, Singapore is at the nexus between Asia and not, and being very, um, I guess, progressive and Western-minded. I mean, English is our first language, right? So um, back then in the 90s, Singapore was New Asia, Singapore. It was really about the contrast between two worlds. Uh, the old world, the new world, the Asian world, the Western world. Um, and, and that worked for a while. Um, but then again, if you think about positioning, uh, we had many of our competitors uh, progressing out of, 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 of uh, progressing towards the future. And, you know, they too were embracing technology and, uh, and moving towards the future. So everyone was in a way, a fusion of the old and the new, right? So, um, and when when I came on board in, um, when I came on board as CMO in 2013, we'd actually progressed uh, to your Singapore. But before that, there was unique, uniquely Singapore. So out of New Asia Singapore came uniquely Singapore, which was really about a blend of heritage and, and contemporary Singapore. And it was really about all the things that were special about Singapore. So that was the brand positioning. Um, as you can see, as I'm telling this story, we've gone through quite a few evolutions. And then with the advent of um, the internet and with a lot of uh, when travel actually um, became very, uh, uh, I would say when you, when you had the, the arrival of a, a lot of the online travel agencies and people were sort of migrating out of travel agencies and a lot of research was be, being done online. And this was actually, I think at the beginning of um, TripAdvisor, if you can remember those early days, right? Um, Singapore actually moved into your Singapore. Um, and the idea was very digital based. It was, um, there's a lot we can offer you. You build the Singapore you want, and the tools are all here for you to sort of mix and match. And Singapore can be many different experiences to many different people. And when I came on board um, um, as, as CMO, and that was quite a many years after the launch of your Singapore, um, one of the feedback we got was everyone loved the, the contemporary feel and the newness of your Singapore, but there were some challenges where, and it's always about competition, right? Where, um, where what was really different or unique about Singapore, um, there was no clarity on that. Uh, what was great was Singapore can be many things to many people, but what's, what's special? So, so then begin, uh, I would say, 
uh, a brand research journey where whenever I'm asked um, about it, I would say uh, it was absolutely emotional. It was emotional and I didn't expect the emotional response from my colleagues, from uh, folks in the industry. Uh, I, I think sometimes um, people don't realize that when we are talking about a brand, it is not a marketing exercise. It's something people hold dear and they connect with and they have a lot of things to say about it. So when we began the, the brand research, uh, we had so much rich content and we landed on uh, two, two sort of territories. Uh, we had global research, we had Singapore research, we had industry research. It was months and months of research across the world, across many different communities. And this time we really wanted to make sure that we reflected um, the Singapore voice, right? Um, because I think what we recognized was increasingly so the traveler would be demanding authenticity. And if they demand authenticity, the destination needed to come from the Singapore voice. Um, so we, we had two territories that kind of emerged. One uh, that everyone kept talking about and one was about possibilities. Um, as you know, um, just like you have the American dream, that's the story of America. The Singapore story is really about the island that has nothing, right? You know, we don't have water. Jolly well don't have much land. It's one of the, the tiniest uh, city state in the world, a couple of millions of people. Um, and it's the idea of possibilities about doing something with nothing much. And the idea of, of um, the greatest resource that we have is people. Really, that's the greatest, richest resource we have. And then on the other side, when we started talking about people um, and there were a lot of um, reminiscing and stories about um, how, how did we begin? How did this nation get built up? And there were a lot of conversations about the energy, the passion. Um, so it was really about passion and possibilities. So those two ideas became um, Passion Made Possible, uh, which we tested and we had a lot of conversations with a lot of my colleagues. And I think one of the things is, even though sometimes we intellectually accept something, and I'm sure Matt, you, you, you will know what I'm talking about. We can accept change intellectually, but emotionally, that's a separate thing altogether. So, um, so that's another story altogether, but uh, we landed on passion and possibilities and that was how Passion Made Possible was born because it's really about uh, the passion and the love of the people. What, what a great story. And along that journey, you have successfully positioned Singapore as the dominant headquarters location in APAC. Uh, there are more important leaders in the public sector, the private sector, the NGO sector, really anywhere, Lynette, where leaders are convening, Singapore is now in the rotation. You are one of the major places where global decision makers gather, gravitate towards, and they want to be there. Talk about the specialness of Singapore 
as a location, a preferred location for decision makers, because that doesn't happen by accident, Lynette. That was a very deliberate effort that you led very successfully. Well, first of all, um, I have to say I did not um, lead that. And that's really the amazing work of my colleagues and my predecessors. Um, but yes, it was a deliberate tourism strategy right from the beginning. As you can, as you would know in, in the tourism destination space, uh, we would always talk about, you know, two kinds of travelers. You have uh, the leisure or leisure traveler and you have the business traveler. And for the business traveler, um, very, very early on, we've always identified uh, the meetings, incentives, conventions, and trade meetings as a space that we wanted to own. And, and I've talked about how Singapore is, is very respectful and we, we're always very excited about catalyzing and we celebrate people and talent. And, and we celebrate great conversations and the coming together of great minds, hey, great minds, the coming together of great minds to discuss possibilities, to, to share their passions. So Singapore's my strategy has been very long in the making. And I think there are a couple of things that uh, we have that uh, I would say a competitive advantage, right? Um, if you look at it from an infrastructural viewpoint, um, you look at Singapore's air hub. When you're traveling for business, connectivity is important. Getting there in a comfortable and shortest time possible is important. The ability to have a seamless journey in and out of um, the air hub is critical. So right from the beginning, Changi Airport in Changi has been a key part of Singapore's major transport hub strategy. And it goes beyond just tourism. It's about building Singapore as a business hub. I think Singapore as a business hub which is a great work done by my colleagues at the Economic Development Board. And Singapore is a great place for meetings to happen. They come together. These two strategies uh, are very much aligned. They come together. So one piece would be the transport hub, which is the airport. And my friends and colleagues at the Changi Airport Group, if you've not interviewed them, you, you have to speak to them. They are extremely innovative, creative, and energetic. Look at how they reimagine Jewel, which is really adding a piece of creativity and amazing architecture and a consumer experience to a transport hub, which is usually about getting in and out. But what they've done is they've made people want to linger and stay. Uh, so the Jewel is, is is something that I'm extremely proud of and of the service at Changi. The other piece really is about, and when you're talking about infrastructure, we're also talking about the MICE facilities in Singapore. Yes, there are many cities around the world with, with good and strong MICE facilities, but I think the investment in the hardware has been as much as the investment in the capability of talent in the mice industry. So the Singapore Tourism Board invests equally in working with our partners to ensure that the infrastructure is great, um, that we are always technologically 
ahead and STB helps us with grants and programs. But likewise, we invest a lot in working with the mice associations and the talent to inspire them and to catalyze them to build on human capital because it's as much a hardware business as it is a software business. So it's a very Tara strategy. And one of the key things moving ahead as we come out of the pandemic, what we're really thinking about is how do we reimagine the mice business? And this is something you, you are very familiar with. Um, at the thick and at the height of COVID, you know, there was a lot of discussions on is mice going to come back? Are people going to travel again? Are people going to go for concerts again? How is it going to happen? Um, and then, and then hybrid events started to happen. And then now we're seeing a lot of destinations having physical events with a hybrid component, allowing them to actually expand their audiences. So these are exciting times. I don't think we've reached um, the end point. I think this is just the beginning of a great journey. Um, and what I can absolutely say is that the Singapore Tourism Board is extremely committed to this strategy that we started many years ago. We will work across the whole of government to make sure that the value chain is tight and we'll be there to support our partners in terms of infrastructure and talent development. Fantastic story, Lynette. And I must echo something you said, which is the partnership that you help craft and lead between the tourism board and the economic development board. And there isn't another place that functions as well as you do without ego, with an eye on the prize, trying to move a particular piece of business forward. And I really have to commend you and somewhat uniquely when you're dealing with you know, your team, your colleagues at the EDB, you're dealing with a private business mentality. It's less of what we would call here a government mentality, which I would not view as a compliment necessarily. And that's somewhat of a sad commentary. But if I was talking about, you know, my own government here in New York City, you know, we have an outgoing mayor who's been wildly unsuccessful. We all have higher hopes for the next mayor who's coming in, Mayor Eric Adams. Um, but in Singapore, the government, you guys operate like a business and a lot of awfully smart and talented people gravitate towards working in your agency, in working at EDB. What is it about the government and the public sector approach that you take that allows you to attract so much talent? I mean, not only you know, do you have a degree and an honors degree in English literature, but you also went to Stanford, you went to the University of Hawaii for additional education, and you're not alone. Many of your colleagues are educated also, you know, globally at these best-in-class institutions. You don't see that. Here, the people who went to lesser colleges often are in the government, in the public sector. Not the case in Singapore. I think it comes back to um, a couple of principles that we believe in. Uh, one is each of us uh, in, in the government sector, we really believe um, in the purpose of our country. Um, for those of us who have, have joined the public service, uh, do it because 
we want to make a difference truly and and a couple of things one would be it's extremely important and all of us believe in it and it's it's something that we live by and that is we can never work alone our agency can only do so much but if we work with our wonderful friends at the urban redevelopment authority whom i have the utmost respect for or with the Singapore Land Authority or the Economic Development Board, there's so much more we can do because the brain trust is much bigger because each of us are specialists in a certain area and we need to come together because major projects are never just tourism projects alone, never. Uh, they are always overlaps with many different areas of the government. So one mantra I would say that is drummed in us is we have to work strongly as a team uh, while we hold our ground on, on certain things that we believe in, but at the back of our minds is always, it's, it's one system and one government and we work as a team. Um, I touched a little bit about Passion Me Possible and I talked about people and bringing trust and investing in talent when I talked about mice. Um, the Singapore government invests a lot in capability development. On a micro scale, if you look at Singapore Tourism Board, uh, which is where I'm from, the investment um, is tremendous. Um, and lifelong learning and taking time out is, is called out. You jolly well take time out to, to uh, improve your capabilities. These are the amazing programs we've lined up for you. What do you want to learn? We're gonna help you get there. So I think one of the things that um, is, is a mark of all of us is never resting. Um, and we are only as good as our next project. And so, um, and, and that's what keeps Singapore on its toes um, because we know that um, it's people, our talent, and we have to invest in it. It's uh, just uh, completely unique. All right, so let's let's go back. Let's go back on our Lynette journey. Do you remember your tenure? And I thought this was so interesting that you did this. I understand that you were the general manager of a repertory theater, give or take about 20 years ago. Tell us about that, Lynette. I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> So um, what happened was uh, after Sachi, I joined Warner. So I was in the entertainment business making films. Um, I've, I've got some stories about some great talents there, but that's, that's another story altogether. And then I was uh, at Yahoo at the, at the, in the midst of the dot-com, you can call it bubble or- Very early days at Yahoo. Yes, early days at Yahoo and, and oh my, I have a whole bunch of other stories there, amazing colleagues there. Um, when I was at Yahoo, I had actually worked with Singapore Repertory Theatre and uh, we came in as a sponsor. We created a program for our sales, our clients and customers with the Singapore Repertory Theatre. And as you know, I don't know whether you know this, I actually have a theatre background. So um, when I was in school and when I finished school, I actually had a bit of a gap year 
before I started at Sapti and and I guess well um, I was I was a gigster I had a gig and I was actually doing a lot of theater and voiceover so um, basically as an actress so I do have a love for the theater and the words of my lit background so I don't know what struck me uh, and I always say this is my great midlife crisis I think I was in my early 30s or I was about 30 and there I was at Yahoo, um, great brand, uh, amazing, super smart colleagues. And I just felt a weird calling. And it was just bizarre. I was just like, I need to do this, right? And I'm just going to get it out of my system before I go back to the corporate world. I'm just going to get it out of my system and work full time in theater. And I remember I was trying to rationalize this like, oh, it's better to do it young than to be, you know, 55 and realize I've not pursued my passion. So I quit my Yahoo job, um, gave up my stock options, uh, gave up my opportunity to uh, work in Silicon Valley and join a nonprofit theater. And that was, I would say, uh, and I would always say this, that was my MBA. Amazing. Try running a nonprofit theater uh, in a country where perhaps, um, unlike America, and I'm so jealous of the amazing philanthropy scene in America, where the giving and the gifting towards the arts uh, and the museums is tremendous. Uh, in Singapore, the corporate giving is nascent back then. Uh, and, and of course, uh, theater going was not as common. So imagine balancing. Uh, the PNL, uh, and so it was. It was to me. It was my great MBA of life. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I had a great experience in theater. Also, right around the same time. Wow! I was friendly with a guy who used to be president of Madison Square Garden, and then he left and was in Nashville running the Grand Ole Opry, which is a huge hotel and and country music in America is actually the leading genre of music. The, no, the highest number of number one stations in the country is not rock and roll or hip hop or pop, or it's actually country music. And we produced uh, a show in New York together called Always Patsy Klein, which had started at the Lyman Auditorium in Nashville, which is sort of the mother church of country music. And we brought that show to New York City. And it ran for about a year off Broadway. Not a, it was a small show. It was only two cast members and a band. So it didn't have the production value for the big Broadway stage. But we ran off Broadway at an old theater called the Variety Arts. And I loved, there was something exciting about live theater and something, and it's that communal experience, which sort of winds us back, you know, to the present day and to business. But you can't, beat the emotion that comes with something like that. And I think that's great that you got to pursue one of your passions as part of your <laughs> career journey. I love that. And um, I'm very proud of uh, my colleagues and friends at the Singapore Repertory Theatre. They've, um, since I've left, they, they've done amazing work and worked with amazing actors and companies. So, and you know what, the, the Singapore um, art scene today is, is very different from the, from the early 2000s. So I hope 
to see you at the theater one of these days in Singapore, Matt? Nothing would make, I've got to see theater all over the world. I would love to see something in Singapore. That would be a, a great, great treat. Okay, so let's, let's uh, we got so many, uh, you know, interesting areas still to touch on. So today's your last day, 18 years and more, really going back to Saatchi. I mean, amazing. There must've been some really funny things that happened where something with a dignitary didn't go as expected. You were surprised by something. I know how well you meticulously prepare, but sometimes the unexpected happens. Give us one funny story, Lynette. We have had so many successes. Give us something funny that happened that you look back on and you still to this day will shake your head a little bit or roll your eyes a little bit. It's about Formula One the very first year. Um, I, I was not in charge of, of um, Formula One back then. This was what, 2000 and, was it 2007? Was it 2007, the inaugural Formula One? Right. Um, and I, there was a huge team working on it. And I was working with the team working on the legal contracts, right? And as you can imagine with, with a lot of such projects, um, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Uh, you can imagine the, the marathon sessions and the hours and it goes very often right to the last minute. So I and my colleague um, were in charge of delivering some of the documents um, uh, to, I can't remember, was it a press conference or the signing, but there was some kind of signing involved. So we drove there, the two of us, me and my female colleague, and I'll always remember this, in a small little old uh, beat up car. And, and I think we had to drive into this building, I'm not gonna name the building, and we had to go to the basement, right? <laughs> but in our nervousness, because it was such a monumental moment, it's the Formula One, we drove down a ramp against the traffic. <laughs> My goodness. So, so we went down and halfway through we were like, OMG, right? It's, it's, it's the wrong way. So imagine in this like rickety old car, you had to reverse back in like a circular thing to the top. So yeah, that was one funny moment. That was one funny Formula One moment delivering the legal documents then driving down the wrong ramp. They, they, may, <laughs> they may have revisited the idea of putting you in the transportation department. <laughs> no, I'm not a good transporter. Uh, so Lynette, let's talk a little bit about what's next, the next chapter in the Lynette Pang journey. It sounds extraordinarily exciting. So could you share some of that with us? Sure. Um, so I'm going to be joining Singapore's National Arts Council um, as the deputy CEO. And I am really, really excited. And if you look at, I guess, my journey in, in halves, um, at one point in time, I left the commercial world and I joined a nonprofit world. And then I went into the public sector. And, and I'm actually going into another part of the public sector, but in the arts. 
And I'm really excited because, um, well, as you would know, the arts is a passion of mine. And here it's not just about, at the National Arts Council, it's not just about theatre. It's, it's about the visual arts. It's about music. It's about traditional arts. So I'm excited with the breadth and the huge canvas and the amazing talent that I'm going to be talking with and working with. And, and I see this as a continuation of the work that I've done at STP, which has always been about celebrating what's uniquely Singapore and telling the great stories about our entrepreneurs, you know, um, our singers, our, the great break maker, the marathoners. And here, um, I hope to be able to tell the stories of the great artists in Singapore who, whom we have many great writers, and songwriters, and singers and actors. Uh, we've seen them all over the world. I would like to hopefully contribute to, to making them uh, even better known around the world. Uh, I think we've got great talent, we've got great writing, and that's gonna be uh, my purpose and my passion for the next stage to, to really put our arts on a global platform. Well, it's a great story and you get to reconnect with a part of your past and expand on that, which is very exciting. Uh, and you are a fierce and passionate advocate for Singapore. Um, I'm so grateful that we had a chance to meet at the World Federation of Advertisers closing night dinner a few years ago in Lisbon with our dear friends at the WFA. Uh, yes. And uh, we've connected from time to time. And um, I've been lucky enough, both my uh, business partner, Lance, and I have been fortunate enough to go to Singapore a number of times. It's certainly a place that uh, is squarely in our sights as a future destination for Advertising Week. We think very highly of what you and your team have built in Singapore. It's an extraordinary place, and you have a lot to be proud of as you exit one, but move to another. So... Lynette, just a joy. And thank you for doing this on your last day. That's really special. Thank you so much, Matt. And I really sincerely hope to see you in Singapore for a spot of dinner and perhaps um, an outing to the theater. Mm -hmm.